In today's episode, we're going to continue the topic of selling digital assets from last week's show, this time covering Etsy and Creative Market. Welcome to Make Money With Your Art. I'm your host, BJ Dell. I'm a freelance artist who took creating art as a hobby and turned it into a full-time business that brings in six figures a year. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you what I've learned along the way to help inspire and motivate other artists like you. So if you want to learn how to turn your creative passion into a successful online business, keep listening. So to start out, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I'd highly recommend hopping back and checking that one out first before you dive into today's show. This one is going to be a continuation of that conversation, and it's going to be building a lot on the info that I covered there. So we were talking about digital assets and the platforms that I use to sell those on. And last week was all about Gumroad. And this week we're going to cover Etsy and Creative Market. And like I've talked about before, I like to utilize multiple platforms with whatever I'm selling and digital assets are no different for this. Uh, There's even more options out there for selling digital assets besides the three that I'm talking about here. However, like I've said before, don't try and burn yourself out by offering things on every single possible website out there that you can sell digital assets on. There's just too many out there and it takes time to upload everything. I would say, honestly, just try some out, see what works for you. And then after some time, you know, take a step back, look at the results, see what platforms are proving the most successful and then continue with those. Don't be scared to drop one and then try another one to test and see what offers the best return on the investment of your time. It's definitely one of those things you have to weigh out and see what works the best. So let's start today with Etsy. Etsy has become a juggernaut in the past few years as far as, uh, you know, marketplaces for creatives. Like I said last week, Etsy ranked 133 globally in website traffic out of all internet sites around the world. So that is pretty awesome. 133 is crazy high. So that just shows you the amazing potential and the proven kind of organic traffic that you can expect from Etsy. Uh, The way Etsy's set up, though, it differs quite a bit compared to some of the other avenues that I used to sell on that we've already talked about. And even though there's no sign-up fees or monthly fees, Etsy does have listing fees. So if you've ever sold on eBay, it's kind of like that. When you list a product, you do have a listing fee. Etsy uses that same idea. So let's get into the fees. So for every listing, you have to pay Etsy a 20 cent listing fee. So it's not crazy. It's not super expensive, uh, but there is that to consider. Uh, And then once you make a sale, you get charged a 5% transaction fee and then 3% and then 20 cents a sale. So it's a little bit cheaper than the free version of Gumroad that we talked about. Uh, just because it was 5% and then 3.5% and then 30 cents uh, for sales on there. Even you know factoring in the 20 cents uh, per listing here, still a little bit cheaper than the, the free version of Gumroad that we talked about last week. Uh, but Etsy also gives you the option to choose your on-hand inventory when you list. So I know this doesn't make a lot of sense when you're talking about digital assets that you don't really have an inventory. You know, it's unlimited, but definitely something that you want to take into consideration, though, when you start listing, because you will need to change the quantity on there to a higher amount than one. That way you aren't constantly having to repost things as they sell. That can be a big pain to kind of manage that. So it gives you the option to you know put up to i think 999 uh of course you might not want to do that make it look a little bit limited and then you can kind of add as you go 
uh, when sellers see 999 available, maybe putting you know 10 or 15 at a time gives them that that fear of missing out, that FOMO, and you can kind of you know build some some FOMO there. So Etsy also they offer offsite advertising, which is kind of cool, and this is where they will run your ads on products across the web. So this is a little bit different than the uh, Gumroad Discover that we talked about last week. Uh, with this, it's offsite ads, so it's people going to other websites and Etsy ad pops up and your product is there. And let me just get into this a little bit and explain this. And this is all coming directly from the Etsy website. So all sellers, they're automatically enrolled in offsite ads. Uh, some sellers are able to opt out of the program. Others are required to participate based on the following criteria. So number one, if your shop made $10,000 um, in US dollars or more total sales in any consecutive 365 day period after February, February 20th, 2019, you will be required to participate in off off-site ads for the lifetime of your shop, even if you fall below that threshold at a later date. And then number two, sellers who have not exceeded the $10,000 threshold in any consecutive 365-day period after that February date, or is otherwise required by law, may opt out of the program. So it's not something that you have to do. Uh, but honestly, if they're going to advertise for you and they're just going to take an extra 15% is, is what this is, I would say do it. I wouldn't opt out of it because honestly, and you'll see even adding in the fees and everything else, that 15% tacked onto it is still cheaper than other routes. I'm looking at you creative market and we'll get to that here in a little bit. So I would say, you know, don't worry about opting out of it. Are these people maybe, uh, you know, not going to find your stuff. Otherwise the 15%, it's very small to pay. And honestly, uh, we talked about last week of doing affiliates and how you can set that up through Gumroad. You're going to pay affiliates more than that 15% rate, uh, to talk about your products. Usually, uh, the going rate for affiliates is a lot more than 15% usually. So that 15% is not bad. It was something that I would say, honestly, consider if you're doing it. And then, of course, uh, Etsy also offers uh, advertising on their website. So much like AMS ads on Amazon, you can go through, you know, put your daily budget in and click how much that you want to bid on as far as your cost per click goes. With this is an auction type of thing that you're bidding against other sellers with the same keywords and stuff. So that's another option. Uh, I don't use that too much every once in a while I might try it out, but I haven't seen a huge boost in anything for that. So I've had it off for quite a while now, but that's something to consider as well. Something that you can do to get your stuff seen. Basically with this, what Etsy is going to do is when somebody searches for something related to your product, instead of, you know, using the algorithm to show the search results, yours is going to come up higher in the search results more towards that first page or that top of that first page of search results, just because you're paying extra to have that there. And of course, you know, when they click through, you're paying to uh, have them click. If they don't buy it, you know, you still spend that money on that click. So it's something that I would say definitely, you know, consider if you're starting out into a crowded area, uh, definitely try it out and see if it's worth it to you. Maybe spend a, a dollar a day or something to, to see if it's successful and then kill it. If not, once again, just doing that test and, you know, see what works and what doesn't and, you know, make an informed decision based on the results. So, um, much again, like merch by Amazon, your success on Etsy is really going to rely not only on the artistic merit 
of your product, but also on writing the listing and effectively using keywords. So with getting your stuff seen on Etsy, keywords are going to be super, super important. And honestly, once again, I could devote entire multiple episodes just to keyword research and multiple YouTube videos on keyword research and writing, uh, you know, listings for Etsy and Merch by Amazon and all these other ones and how to implement them. But honestly, like I said before, there's a ton of great information out there already. So like I've said as well before. I'll link it down in the show notes to some YouTube channels that I've personally find helpful stuff that they've covered as far as, you know, keyword research, how to write the listings, stuff like that. There's a ton of information out there already just at your fingertips that you can find. So really recommend just taking a deeper dive there to learn more. And honestly, it's more of like a visual learning thing. So even for a podcast, it's not something well suited. So definitely I recommend YouTube for that. You can see, you know, the process as they're going through it. So check out the show notes for those. Um, with Etsy too, uh, something a little bit different. Uh, Etsy does everything under one shop name. Gumroad does as well. But like I said, with, you know, doing uh, KDP and Merch by Amazon, you can change the author names and the brand names to have everything niche uh, specific with Etsy. It's all under one shop name. So I would really highly recommend as you set up a shop on Etsy, make sure that you keep the look of the shop cohesive. So uh, just everything from, you know, the, the product pictures to the wording to even when you go in and do the about me page, it just needs to have that cohesive kind of brand look to it. Um, the way the thumbnails flow together, you want it to look all as one brand, all as one shop. So just make sure the presentation just really comes off that way. But if you are kind of one of those Jack of all trades you want to offer possibly digital assets, which is, you know, the topic of this podcast, but let's say you want to offer digital and you want to offer physical. So maybe, you know, you want to do stickers, you want to do t-shirts, you want to do even jewelry or something else. If you have, you know, another thing that you want to do, uh, this would be when I would really recommend considering a second shop. Etsy does allow this. You can have more than one. However, the problem here is that this does require you to use a different email address for each shop. So like I mentioned in last week's episode, there's going to be more customer service required on your part with these platforms and Etsy is no exception. Um, this is where having more than one shop is going to be a little bit of a hassle. So Etsy, they have an app and it makes responding to customer messages like really just a breeze and you can enable of course push notifications on your phone so you'll be able to get those immediately you'll be able to respond immediately and of course that just builds up uh, that customer rapport builds up your you know engagement with the customer hopefully leads to you know five star reviews after they purchase something but the problem here is if you have multiple shops these alerts, they're only going to show up for the account that you're currently logged into. 
So if a message comes through on another shop, you're actually going to have to see it in your email before it pops up. And then if you want to go ahead and respond to it, you're going to have to log out of the current shop, log back in with the other one. So as you can see, it becomes, you know, quite a bit of work and quite a hassle. And you might even want to consider um, if you're doing physical products, you might even want to consider multiple shops just for physical products. So on Etsy, stickers are absolutely huge on Etsy. And so is, you know, clothing and t-shirts. But if you decide to do both, you might want to do those in separate shops. People searching for stickers, they might want to come just to a sticker shop. If they hop on and it's a mess of stickers and shirts, you know, just kind of a mismatch of this here and this here. Once again, it doesn't do that cohesive look that we talked about. It doesn't give that presentation of just one brand having all that stuff in there together. So you might want to consider, you know, multiple physical shops. You could have a t-shirt shop, a, a sticker shop, and then a digital shop. But once again, then you're going to have to have three separate emails. You're going to have to respond with three separate accounts, lots of logging in, logging out. So just be prepared for that and know that that's going to be something that you have to do. And once again, weigh the pros and cons. Is it going to be worth it if you want to test it out and see and kind of go from there? But it's something to consider. So one of the downfalls of Etsy, and I mentioned this last week, is their file size limits. And to kind of recap what I said last week, Etsy has a file upload size limit of only 20 megs, and you can only add five files per product listing. So you're going to max out at 100 megs available to offer your digital assets with. And when you're talking about digital assets, when you're talking about high res stuff, 100 megs really isn't that much. And like I mentioned, this has caused me a ton of headaches before because I'll start out on Gumroad as far as my digital assets. That's where I upload first. Etsy and Creative Market are kind of the afterthoughts, you know, number two and number three after Gumroad. So I'll have everything ready to go, uploaded to Gumroad and the zip files ready. Everything's perfect. And then I'll have to go back through and make multiple files, rezip everything into different sizes so that fits Etsy's requirements and just a, a big headache, a big pain in the butt. So it's definitely something that I hate about Etsy. And I've heard some sellers, they do have a workaround for this. And what they do is they upload the the final product to either a private link on their website or they'll host it on a file sharing service. And then the file that gets delivered to the customer when they buy through Etsy is actually just a readme file. And it says, Hey, here's a link to your product gives the link. And then the customer can download it from there. And personally, I don't really like this route and there's a couple of reasons. So number one, as an Etsy customer, me personally, as an Etsy customer, if I was an Etsy customer buying digital stuff, I would feel safer, you know, getting an email or a message from Etsy and downloading the product from that. Uh, you know, when you have just a random person selling something on a website, people are already kind of cautious about scams and, uh, you know, clicking on links and stuff like that. So I would rather download it from Etsy. I would get a, you know, a little sketched out having just a readme file saying, thanks for your purchase. Here's where you download this from, because, you know, a lot of people don't use that route. Uh, so if this person's bought digital assets on Etsy before and is used to downloading them from Etsy, 
like I said, they're going to be used to that. They're going to get kind of weirded out by having a readme file saying, hey, go to my website or go to this Dropbox link or whatever. They're going to question exactly, okay, what am I getting? And secondly, there's really nothing from stopping that customer from sharing that link with others. And I know this is kind of that paranoia seeping in. And of course, they could just share, you know, the files that they get in the first place. But really, you know, copying and pasting just a link and sending that to, you know, uh, maybe they have a private Facebook group that they use for, let's say you're selling SVG files and they post this in like a cricket group or something like that and say, Hey, check out this that I just bought. And they post your link. Granted, you know, people probably aren't going to do that, but it's a lot easier to share a link than to share the files themselves. So for me, it just makes me nervous and it's not something that I'll do. So that's why there's certain things that I won't be able to offer on Etsy just because the file size is too big and there's really no workaround besides that. And it's not something that I want to do. So basically that's Etsy in a nutshell. So next let's talk about creative market. So where Etsy is, you know, digital and physical, as far as the goods that they offer, creative market is just solely focused on digital. So even though there's more um, traffic on Etsy, this really is okay. You're getting less traffic with creative market, but here it means that the audience is going to be a little bit more targeted. It's going to be that digital audience. That's what they're there searching for. Granted, there's a bunch of digital assets, different types for different programs or, you know, stuff like that. So doesn't mean that everybody getting on creative market is looking for your digital asset, but everybody there is looking for digital assets. Uh, to be honest and completely blunt, though, with creative market, the fees absolutely suck. So like Etsy and you know everything else we've talked about, Gumroad, there's no sign up fee, no monthly fees. Like I talked about Gumroad, though, there is if you want the, you know, the, the paid pro version. But in general, no sign up fees, no monthly fees. Uh, with creative market, you do have to apply and be approved after like a little evaluation process. At least that's how it was when I signed up. I don't know if they're still doing that. I'm just assuming that they do. I couldn't find anything, um, to the saying yes or saying no. Uh, so definitely if you're not on there, get on and see, I know there was an evaluation process for me and had to wait for an email saying that you've been approved. So check that out. But back to the sucky part, back to the fees, creative market takes 30% from your sales, which is the absolute worst of all the platforms, even with Etsy, like we were talking about that offsite advertising, adding in that 15% plus the regular Etsy fees, creative market still takes more than that. So why do I do it then? If it sucks so bad, if 30% is so much, why do I do it? Okay. Well, for me personally, creative market, it brings in the least amount of money of all three of these platforms, but I do get daily sales on there. So even though it's the, the least out of the three every day, I at least make a sale on there. And all of the traffic that I direct myself, so any of my YouTube links, when I talk about stuff in the description, or I even you know list my Gumroad products in the show notes of the podcast that you're listening to here, I always direct that traffic. All those links all go to my Gumroad site. So all the sales that I make from Etsy 
and Creative Market are totally organic. I don't post those links anywhere. I want them to go to the Gumroad site. That's where I've got, you know, the lowest amount that comes out for fees. That's where I would, you know, like people to buy the stuff. That's why I post the Gumroad links. So nobody that's buying from Etsy or Creative Market is going there because I'm sending them there. They're just finding it completely organic and these people that are buying these, they're reaching it and they probably haven't seen my YouTube videos or they haven't visited my website. And to put it simply, these are sales that I wouldn't have made otherwise. And this right here, it really shows the importance of utilizing those multiple platforms. I would be leaving money on the table every single month by only relying on the links that I post and share for my Gumroad shop. If I didn't take advantage of just random shoppers finding and buying them on Etsy and Creative Market, I would be making nothing from those platforms. I would just be making, you know, solely from Gumroad. These are people finding the stuff that wouldn't have found it otherwise. So, so yeah, that 30%, it sucks, but these people that are buying here on those platforms on in this one Creative Market with a 30% uh, it's just because it's the website that they use. It's the one that, okay, I want to buy this for say procreate or this for Photoshop. I go to creative market. That's where I find it. And I'm okay with making, you know, 70% rather than losing all those sales and making 0% by not using the platform. So that's a way to look at it. Yeah. That 30% sucks, but making zero by not using it sucks even more. So I'll give them the 30%. It's cool because it's sales that I wouldn't have made otherwise. Uh, one thing too, that creative market does offer with each product listing that the other sites don't is they've got a native way set up that you can offer different rights and license types for your digital assets. So with this, of course, with each Etsy listing, you have to type in exactly in Gumroad to what the rights are. If people are going to use these in their business, it depends on once again, what digital asset that you're selling, but you know, you've got to go through and kind of take each one and say, okay, this is the rights for this. This is the rights for this. This is what you get. And creative market makes it super, super simple. And they offer three clear choices. And it really does take the guesswork out of choosing the license when it comes to the customer. So uh, just dropping down and going through these on the creative market website, the first license is for personal and the, with the personal, the licensed asset can appear in a non-commercial project. It can be used for, it can be used for, let's see, uh, one personal social media account with non-commercial activities. So just your personal Facebook page, basically, uh, it can also be used for end products, not for sale. So as long as they're not selling them, they're not offering them anywhere, you know, just say they want a t-shirt for their kid to wear. And it's, you know, the hundredth day of school, maybe you offer a hundredth day of school digital asset on there. As long as they're not selling it, they're just printing it out for the kid that applies for the personal with the personal can't be used for in products for sale. Can't be used for business, social media accounts, 
physical or digital paid advertisements or native apps, web apps, or games. So that's the personal. And then the next one up is commercial. And with the uh, commercial licensed asset uh, can appear in up to 5,000 end products for sale. So with this, it can be 5,000 physical or digital end products. Uh, it can be used for one business social media account owned and managed by the licensee. So they, the whoever's buying it has to be the one using it in their business. This can't be, uh, you know, some graphic designer that's outsourcing as, you know, a, a Facebook guru that's making Facebook pages for people. It has to be by the licensee. Uh, they can do unlimited physical advertisements for local markets digital paid advertisements with unlimited impressions and broadcast and streaming for up to 500,000 lifetime viewers. It cannot be used for native apps, web apps, or games. So here's where it kind of comes into the trust of the end user, because as you know, somebody that's selling these digital assets, how are you going to track uh, with, you know, the broadcast and streaming if they're sending it out to more than 500,000 lifetime viewers, you can't, you've got to depend on the, the customer to say, okay, this is what I want, but it's nice to offer the different options. And then hopefully they'll just be honest and buy the right one. Uh, finally, the third one that, that they offer is the extended commercial license. And with this, the uh, asset can appear in up to 250,000 end products for sale. It can be digital or physical products, unlimited business, social media accounts, owned and managed by the licensee, unlimited physical advertisements for local, national, and global markets, digital paid advertisements with unlimited impressions, broadcast and streaming for unlimited lifetime viewers, one native app, web app, or game download or sold up to 250,000 times. So those are the three options. The cool thing here is you actually get to pick the dollar amount for each of these. Uh, so that's pretty fantastic. You can decide, okay, if I want to make the personal super cheap and then tack on, you know, a ton for the, uh, the next one up and do the commercial and then just an astronomical amount for the extended. And maybe you might get one of those clients. that's like, yeah, I need this. And you know, does the extended pays a ton of money for it? It's up to you. You could make that one, you know, a uh, hundred dollars more, or you could choose and make it $5 more or $6. There's a limit to a uh, minimum, I guess, uh, to what you can set it at. So it has to hit the minimum as far as the jump from one to the next. But that's a way too that you can offer the end customer, you know, different options makes them a little bit more apt to buy if they are in the the arena to use it in a commercial sense. And like I said, takes that guesswork out. I answer so many questions on a daily ba basis from Etsy users, even though I've got the commercial rights listed and they say, Hey, I, I want to use it for this, but I don't think I can. Can I do that? Or can I do this? So there's a lot of customer service built around just the commercial rights licensing questions on Etsy and creative market. I don't get any questions because it shows it right there. So that's something to consider. Like I said, those are the three platforms then, and you can kind of pick and choose which ones you want to do, or like I said, do more research, maybe start with six. Like I said, there's other ones out there. These are the three that I go with, but just kind of test everything out on the next week. We're going to talk about using YouTube as a way to make money with your art. So stay tuned for that. 
All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Just want to thank you for listening. Hopefully you gained some valuable information that you can apply to your own art business. If you want to check me out online, here's where you can find me. And I'll go ahead and link all these in the show notes as well. So I've got a YouTube channel called Let's Draw with BJ Dell, where I post drawing tutorials and digital art how-to videos. If you want to hop on over there, be sure to subscribe and hit the bell so you can get notified when I post new videos. My website is bjdell.com. You can check out some of my artwork over there. Plus there's a contact form where you can send me any questions or suggestions for future episodes of the podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at BJ Dell. And last but not least, I have a private group for artists over on Facebook called Keep Creating a Learn, Draw, Share Art Community, where you can share your art, get feedback, and just meet some really cool, supportive people. So really want you guys to be a part of that as well, too. So hop on over there and join the group. Once again, thanks for listening. And if you could, do me a favor and leave a review for the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. And definitely share it with a fellow artist if you think they would enjoy it. So that's it for me. And until next time, keep creating.